see what they get up to in there. You know, look at these property investment gurus for crying out loud. You look at, I remember working with Sainsbury's, people being marched out for taking money or having conservatories built and all sorts of stuff. Our business, and you look at journalists and you look at politicians, we are nowhere near as bad as we constantly tell ourselves. So it, it is that, you know, think it's about us being proud of our industry and proud of what we do and proud of putting a decent roof over people's heads or in your case saying to people you've bought a roof over the property but it might not last and you might need to spend a lot of money on it be proud of that don't don't pull us down (laughs) get it you know we do an amazing job that changes people's lives death divorce debt having a baby getting married this is what it's all about Don't get drawn into this, everybody's corrupt, because I work with the most amazing, and I'm lucky, I know I work with the good guys, but I work with the most amazing people. And our industry is no worse than anybody else's, and I love it to bits. This is the only industry I've stayed in for this amount of time. Welcome to the Surveyor Hub podcast the podcast for surveyors who just love what they do. I'm Marian Ellis from Love Surveying, and in today's episode, I chat with the fabulous Kate Faulkner, OBE, about the home buying and selling group, the work being done to improve the way we buy and sell houses in the UK, and the impact that might just have for residential surveyors in the future. Welcome to the podcast slash uh, webinar, Kate. Thank you. So for everybody um, listening in, we're recording it as a bit of a webinar, but we will be sharing the uh, video as a replay and also, uh, if I don't mess it up too much, also a um, a podcast, because I think this is a really useful insight for a lot of surveyors to understand the context of the market that they operate in. So we've got, you know, a lot of residential surveyors out there will go out and just do the survey, a little bit of interaction with the customer, but not all the way through. And not all of us will have bought and sold houses at any time (laughs) recently, for sure, if at all, because, you know, not all surveyors can actually afford to buy a house. Uh, Kate, for those who don't know you, is it a property analyst, a property commentator? Is that how you describe yourself? Yes, I have very various descriptions, but basically my, my job, as I see it and has been since 2000, is to try and make sure that people can buy, sell, renovate invest in property more easily and more importantly knowing what they're doing so i've constantly been on a mission for the years to try and make sure that we that anything i can do so i kind of sit in between the industry and consumers and try and get them to talk to each other better if there's one thing that's it and also to drive a lot of myths and rubbish out of the market if i hear another person say that the surveyor is in cahoots with the estate agent i'm liable to end up in prison well, of course, we're all in cahoots. <laughs> ah, yeah. Uh, and there's a lot, I think, that we can throw in there with evaluation is not a survey, da, 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 all of no, that. If only everybody yeah. said that one every day of the week, we'd be all right. <laughs> if they did something about it, it'd be great. It so today I wanted to, to chat about the home buying and selling group, talk about how it got started, what the aims are, what's involved, so that surveyors have got a bit of an understanding as to... I'm say how the other half live, but how, how the others sort of come together. 
Um, and then we can probably have a chat about how surveyors can get involved or, or I've got actually six, talk about six, their, their parts. I've got six things for them to do. Oh, okay, cool. Well, we'll, <laughs> we'll get to that. Cool then. We'll get to that at the end. So Home Buying and Selling Group, tell us a bit about how that got started, what it yep. is. So actually... That's the second group that we did. The first one was the Lettings Industry Council. And if I kind of explain quickly how that came about, it will make sense for the home buying and selling groups. So the agents were under severe threat, which then happened of losing their tenant fees. And that was actually quite a big threat to their business model. And I remember saying to a lovely lady at Savile's called Teresa Wallace, well, what happens when you all sit down as agents and chat about this? And she went, what? And I went, well, you, you must all... Surely you all sit down as agents and chat because every other industry I've been in does that. Nope. I'm like, but the trade bodies, they must get everybody to sit around a table and chat. And nope. So I kind of realised that one of the reasons our industry doesn't move forward, and this applies to lettings as well as home buying selling, is that we have this whole process. So we have first time buyers out there that go on their journey from lender through to removal company. And nobody was sitting around a table discussing this consumer journey. And I mean, you're super consumer led, Marion. You know, I thought I was quite good till I met you. And then I realised that you, you, you'd trump the work that I do. But we don't look through the whole process and work together behind the consumer. And the only place we tended to meet up was government meetings where everybody was invited as stakeholders to represent their members I thought well that's rubbish I want them all if I got a load of people in a room and wanted to sort out the home buying selling process or the rental process what I do is they're only allowed in the room if they look after consumers and they put the consumer first because what 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 is the point otherwise you've got to put everything you do in business has to be consumer-led or it doesn't work and you get infighting and all sorts, funnily enough, and silly myths and nonsense that come out like surveyors are in cahoots with agents. And they always go in. My other favourite for surveyors is, oh, well, of course, they had to find something. I've been told that by a very senior director at one of the uh, developers who I do not recommend. But, Kate, but, Kate, yeah. but Kate, do you, do you know how satisfying it is for a surveyor <laughs> to walk into a property? Because our, our job is to prove it's not there. No, so we're not going to find something. It's to prove sometimes we approach it sometimes to prove it's not there. But it's so satisfying to find that you were right, or that you know there, there is something there that you can report on. It it is, but that's only because that's the right. That's your job for the consumer. But equally, if you walk into a perfect home, not that they exist very often, it is your. So I'll tell you. So it, it is. You should report. Actually, this is all okay. Now, I don't yeah. mind paying for that, but other people get frustrated. But I remember, for example, I bought a property in Bourne End, certainly my surveyor as usual, because I call them my knights in shining armour, and I genuinely stand by that and believe in it. And uh, he rang me up and he went, you've had the offer accepted. How, how far along the lines are you? And I went, well, I'm trying to get to exchange as soon as possible. He said, yeah, I would, before they realise how underpriced this property is. He said, I found lots of things wrong with it. He said, but even at that price this is a really good property to purchase. And I went, oh, okay. He said, so just buy it. And I looked around and he was absolutely 100% right. So I didn't query, I didn't take, which is what I'd normally done. I'd have taken a load of 10 grand off the price of the property and I'd probably have lost it. But he gave me the best advice ever. So for me, surveyors give a true reflection 
of what the state that that's the, the condition of that property and what I need to watch for in the future. And they they are critical in the home buying and, and, uh, and selling process. And it's kind of almost it's almost criminal, really, that every buyer doesn't get one. And indeed, I've also moved towards getting them done as a seller now. So I had one mm. done before we sold my mum's property. I, If I sell mine, mine's a farmhouse, 200 years old, I would have the property surveyed and I would have that ready. And I never understand. Everybody goes, oh, well, how can you trust it? And I go, hmm, do you get your car MOT'd? And they go, yes. Right, that person's had six weeks training, not five years. Would I trust the surveyor over somebody doing an MOT? Yes, I would. And we're all out on roads and companies get cars out on roads and stick their important people in them and trust somebody who does an MOT. The lack of trust for surveyors is, is, is wrong and it should be much better. So that that's the whole point is that we're all here working on behalf of the consumer, but we do it in our little silos. And another good example of that would be uh, when COVID came along, some legal companies did what they call SIMs, which is simultaneous exchanges. So you exchange on the same day as you complete. Now, that was a very, in the isolation of a legal company, that was a very sensible thing to do because it reduced the chance of anybody losing a sale or purchase or on completion day or exchange or whatever because of COVID, which we were all, don't forget, this was early days when we were all terrified of catching it and giving it to other people, actually. And, but the problem was, moved to the removal company and the poor buyers and sellers that day, it was an utter disaster for them absolute disaster and we shouldn't have done them with hindsight if we'd all chatted this through and again talk about covid the guidelines that everybody got they were guidelines on moving home if we hadn't have done that which huge numbers of people huge numbers of surveyors i'm sure you i'm sure you were on there as well marion we had about 50 people every I don't know, every other day or something, we collated all the, we collated the guidance to move home so that there weren't different guide, there wasn't different guidance for buyers and sellers from their lender, from their broker, from their surveyor, from their agent. Everybody got the same guidance. So everything with the reason for the home buying and selling group and indeed the Lettings Industry Council was to run out, to, to try and make sure that we, improve the process for consumers which naturally improves it for ourselves but the only way that we can do that is by working together to map out that process and to say well what can we do to improve it and some people say we've had lots of accusations oh you know you, you you're not you failed you're not taking so long and I think it is going to take a long time I have the home movers group that we have, which is the steering group, there's over 25 organisations on that. I've got trade bodies, we've got redress schemes, we've got ombudsmen, regulators, they've all got their own rules and regulations. Well, I have learned, unless we can get all of them to agree a change, it's not going to happen. Hips of which was a great example. So everything we do, uh, we involve, we make sure that all the trade bodies of regulators, ombudsmen, redress schemes, they agree it first as a principle of something to go forward with. But we don't move forward, which I know everybody on this call will will want to know, and you're all welcome to give us a hand because we need help, is we have to have practitioners on the ground. Now, in agency, that means corporates, that means franchises, independents. That means a solo surveyor, a corporate, a network, for example. 
I don't think this is much franchising in the surveying side. So we have to, because they all run their businesses differently. So we have to make sure that it works to probably about 100, 100. We have to kind of get sign off from 100 to 150 people, different organizations to get something done. And then we have to persuade everybody else to do it. And we can't always we can't always get hold of them. Particularly agents aren't regulated, for example. It's it's really interesting. When I initially first got involved, which was a couple of years ago now, and then set back, and now I'm sort of nosing in a bit, a bit more. And you're very um, welcome. Just the amount of stuff that's been talked about, created, generated, collaborations, uh, learning that that's gone on has has been absolutely huge. And it's all credit to you, Kate Faulkner, OBE. Uh, for for pulling this all this all together, you know, and I look at it from a you know the things that you were saying just there. I'm thinking from a surveyor's point of view and a surveyor's hat. And I I do think I know we've talked about this that surveyors need a a, a stronger voice or more insight to uh, what's going on. And obviously, there's different surveyor organisations and membership yeah. bodies who are who are part of it. But it's got you're absolutely right. It's got to filter out and go right as far as it possibly can to individual surveyors Absolutely. on the ground because they're the ones that are going to be um, uh, you know, impacted and actually have yeah. some really good stuff to feed back, which is why it's great to have you in the, the surveyor hub and to be able to share share content like this. And, that, and that surveyors wouldn't get any opportunity to you know, get involved in or come across, you know? Yeah, I, I wasn't really clever enough on certain fronts to be a surveyor, but if there's anybody I identify most with in the industry, it is surveyors. And I love the survey hub. Anybody, when you get home and then somebody posts a picture of, can somebody tell me what this is? Or I've called it this. Or does anybody know, know what this is? Oh, I'm like, wow, this is really, I have learned so much. And also everybody's been, whenever I write anything. So I do my my company. I actually, I don't earn many money out there. I'm buying and selling group of lettings, industry council. But my company, we write. So we write on behalf of businesses to consumers. and. I liked there are certain things that I know as somebody who's been on the ground myself, my background was sales. You kind of if anybody understands an ivory tower, it's me. And I never want us to be like that. So I always I've had super help from yourselves and from the surveyors hub in terms of saying, I'm not quite sure this is right in terms of the information that I've written. So can somebody help? And blimey, within minutes, I've got 10 answers. And isn't that a lovely way of working? And the home buying selling group is that. But on this enormous scale that we want to change the way home buying and selling works it, it is if the 10 ounces are the same but if you've learned it doesn't that surveyors. doesn't matter because that's that's <laughs> but they work but that doesn't matter to me because as long it as i've got it, then i yeah. can my job is to take those 10 answers and get them into one paragraph yeah and yeah. make sense to the consumer and i'm good that's the bit i'm good at so, we, so we've got a couple of um, comments in the chat. One of them is, you know, how do surveyors get involved with the home buying and selling group? Um, one of the things that, that that we're doing is putting together a surveyors working group, for want of a better description, and we will connect with surveyors in the surveyor hub to help connect that and facilitate it, yeah. or even, you know, share information out um, so that you get it directly. You wouldn't have to work out how, how best to do that, but the fact that you're in the group and asking questions and providing info is um, is as helpful as anything. And, and you know, you mentioned uh, SMEs, and that's one of the difficult things with pulling together groups of businesses together is that you always, you know, struggle to get the individual surveyors who have some great stuff, but actually yeah. some of us, you know, and I think I stepped back 
can't remember if it was because of the pandemic or just stuff going on in life that I just said actually this is too much for me to get involved yeah. in right now and that, I actually need to earn a living you know yeah and I would say that's fine if you just there's one thing that we're doing and you just fancy being involved with that that's okay just so you know so we have eight meetings a year four of those are with the steering group and then four of those are with the wider groups so that's all of the steering group and those are the trade bodies etc and then we have practitioners on the wider group um, and we're also working hand in hand with DLUG I mean what one thing I will share is we have this amazing relationship with DLUG on the home buying and selling side it's fabulous yeah, for, for those for those of the initiated DLUG is the department of leveling and housing yeah. department of leveling up housing and communities and it's yeah. changed since we first yeah, as have yeah. all of the people but yeah. we have a kind of we have a direct line so they're great at sharing information with us it is under chatham house rules but we have a relationship with them where we can say oh we don't know about this can it help and they will do the same and we help each other out take on the private rented side oh my god banging red against a brick wall same department different people we cannot cannot get anything through to on the private rented side they're to they don't they're there they come every meeting or the every now and again but nowhere near the same relationship that we have on the buying and selling so the good news is is that we are really we have created and i know it has taken a little while but we have got a really good group who really want to make changes and we will make we will make the changes and we probably got what we need to do is we now need to explain to everybody more publicly partly why I'm here, to explain what changes we want and to make sure that you're all cool about those. Yeah. So so the first thing for anybody who wants to get involved, we will we'll communicate out how you can join sessions, what what's going on so that you you know you, you don't miss out and you can get to get involved if you if you want to. Let's just have a chat then. So about the the work that the home buying and selling group has done and how it's evolved so you've got all these people together yeah. and said how can we make it better not necessarily you know faster although that was part of it you know what were those early days like uh we had 25 people in a room who kind of just came there on a on a request from me which was uh, super lovely. Uh, it did help very much. We did set this up with alongside Delux. So we we're at a meeting at Society Licensed Conveyances and Matt, they'd just done their presentation on how to improve the buying and selling process. And that was about speeding it up and about reducing fall throughs. And that is pretty much, it's not complicated. That's what we want to do. We want to make the process better. So those are the initiatives that we focused on. We then had a chat about, well, okay, I said, what are the five things that would help us do that? So things like leasehold came up, upfront information. And what we then did was we built those five groups to start off with. And then other things have come up. So uh, somebody said, well, could we do a property logbook group and try and get that started? So what we've ended up doing quite well is become like a bit of an incubator and an and, and to help innovation along, but it, which is very hard in the property markets, doddle in any other market I've been in, the pet business, in food business. Honestly, everybody would have left by now if it was hard as it was to do a new service or change things as it is in the property market, because it is just so tough because there's so many people involved. So we basically, anything that requires sort of lender through to removal agreement, if you like, to move forward and to change something, then we will work on that. Property logbooks are a good example because they're effectively like an MOT that you have for a car. 
and they were a young industry. There were four or five players. So we just said, well, we'll give you your own group. You work out what you want to do. Come and present it to a load of practitioners and all the address schemes and government are here and we'll give you feedback. And that's what happened until they were able to set up their own association and kind of go off on their own. And one of the lovely things that's come from that is actually they're working on the rental side now as well, not just on the buying and selling side. Another one is the technology group. So we have kind of identified that there's so much upfront information that has to be provided. We know that there are about 220 questions that need to be answered potentially for a buyer or the lender through to removal company about that home for the whole process to work really well. And then somebody comes along and said, well, it'd be great if we could digitalize that. Oh, my word, that is such a big job. So we set up a technology group that basically would mean at some stage in the future, you press a button, pretty much all of those 220 questions are answered. Not only are they answered, but everybody from lender to removal company trusts that data. It's a massive job. It's the future of, uh, and we can do some different things in between to help buying and selling process. But we now have a really good idea of how we can move everything forward. So we're doing a roadmap, and this would be brilliant if we could get your help on this. We've identified and we've laid out the 78 things, give or take, that you have to do to buy and sell a home from start to finish. And we tried to get all the right things that you have to do in the right order, which are what the consumer has to do and what you guys would have to do, for example. We've then mapped out what we think could be done differently now and what changes could be made now without a lot of fuss and nonsense. That's the one. And then we're looking at the future and that's the digital change and changes to identity and all sorts of things like that. But the middle one is an example if we could just get every seller to instruct their legal company on day one of marketing, that would be amazing. We would wipe six to eight weeks off the purchase sale of a property almost instantly. We don't need government help, but we do. We need to know how to tell everybody and how to get that message out. So again, any help from you guys would be super because we don't know how to do it. We've just laid out the process, but we also need to check, have we captured the right 78 things? of the things that we think you can change now, of which that is one of them. And in the future, we'd love to have surveys before the property goes for sale. I know that's been called something in the past, but you're not allowed to say it. Well, you, you, you already mentioned it earlier on, but I'm not <laughs> going to repeat, uh, repeat it. So, so it's great that we've got these, and I think an incubator, an innovation hub is a, a really good way to, to describe it. People's coming together, ideas. And now I did my dissertation 20 three-ish, 24 years ago on the word that we won't uh, mention. And uh, I actually found it on a floppy disk, actually two, two oh, floppy so disks. Yeah, yeah, it was, those. Uh, that's, what, that's what technology was like back then. I am that old, which ha- might have all the answers if it hasn't disintegrated. Yeah, get it, get it over to And, and the, di- the difference between this sort of upfront information 20-odd years ago and now is that we've got technology. I mean, we were just, you know, getting to use mobile phones back then, yeah. more, more mainstream. You know, it's the amount of technology, the amount of data that, that is available. And that's a good thing that we can use then to move forward to improve the home buying selling process for everybody in the um, in the sector. And I don't think people uh, or surveyors uh, listening or watching to this 
will fully appreciate how advanced a lot of that is. You know, so for a, a lender, some lenders now on mortgage valuations are using 50% AVM, you know, automated valuation models to come up with a valuation. That's quite a high, high amount. But they've also got 20 years data, just like, you know, everybody else to pull together that gives them a really confident picture of what might happen to that, that property. Um, and what they might want to do, what the risk might be for for lending. Um, so, so fifty percent is is quite quite a lot, and obviously it depends on market conditions and, and all of those things. But it's at a point now where should a lender choose to, the data is there that they could approve a mortgage in principle, certain types of properties that are low risk in in certain areas, just before or as someone puts it on the market. Which means, you know, if I've been pre-approved for finance for a yeah. mortgage then I can go in and choose and we can make it happen uh, a lot quickly a lot more quicker and that might frighten a lot of surveyors who are worried about losing work and, and all of those things but I think the landscape is changing and now is the time for surveyors not to let this happen to them but to redefine what being a surveyor and inspecting these properties uh, mean yeah so the technology is there we've also got you know environment data we don't have to go phoning around the council or looking at old maps. A lot of that is on there now. So there's all this data that, that, that comes together, which means up front, you know, there are quick wins like we know if you instruct the solicitor early on. And we know if you have a clue about what a survey is early on. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, booking or, or, or getting quotes and things early on for that will also make a difference. So there's quick wins. But then there's the methodical working through what are the stages of the, the customer journey, if you like, which is what you've got with these 78 um, different steps. And I think they're, they're down to about six stages, something like that. Of You yes, do this it. and you do that and you do and you do this. And I've had a, a brief look at that. And, and if you're happy, you know, we can share it with the surveyors and things. Yes, um, please. As please. and when they're, you know, yeah. accordingly. It does but take I a little bit of time, but that's that's what we need now is we've we've kind of yeah. done this work. It's not. It's not. So we are not telling anybody what's going to happen and how we're doing it. We're coming up with ideas, having had the biggest consultative exercise in the history of home buying and selling. And yeah. then we're going, we think this is the way forward, but please tell us if we're wrong. Yeah. And I think this is a real opportunity for surveyors to understand the context of the market that their service sits in yeah. to look at opportunities for, you know, surveys for sellers. Uh, you know, how do you get upfront, you know, information, uh, defect analysis, you know, there are lots of different product types, if I call it that, that surveyors can evolve. So we move away from just level one, two, three, and we know we've all got, got challenges with that. But I look at these sort of stages and my initial thought was, why on day one are you not thinking about the condition of the property that you might want to buy? Are you looking for a doer-upper? Or are you looking for a, um, you know, something that, that's easy? Uh, why, why are you not thinking about that? There's a lot of sort of customer psychology to that that I think as a, we as surveyors need to, uh, to understand. And everybody is different. But the more that at the start of your home buying journey, you understand what it's going to take to maintain and look after a property and I think maintenance is really really key you know we're in a cost of living crisis we've had some terrible disasters you know that have affected the the public and we've got the building safety act and and all of that 
that actually I think surveyors need to focus on not just this is the condition of the property, you know, make an informed decision whether you want to buy, but help them live in the property well, which then, you know, is about climate sustainability and improvements. And some surveyors might not have that skill set yet, or, you know, they might have to refresh. But that, I think, is the way that actually is a, a good way to move forward, to still be in business as and when when things change. The word that we're not mentioning, HIPS, We've talked about that not not being, you know, it's not the same now. But why is it so? Why is it different? You know, because the surveyors will think upfront information and that'll put the fear in a lot of us. But, yeah. you know, why is it what's so different about it? So the best way to really explain why it's so different is because nobody's imposing it on anyone. This was an idea that came out of surveyors, legal companies, lenders, brokers, removal guys, you name it. And we haven't got a hip. What we've got is we have identified from a buyer's and the industry's perspective, each sector, 220 questions that we think somebody might know the answer. Somebody will have to answer at some stage, whether it's 100 for one property, 150, 50 for another. They'll know the answer for it. It is that simple. And that has been created with a bottom up approach. Nobody's telling anybody. No government. The government knows what's in it, but they haven't dictated it. So this is our own information and it gets up, it gets revised every year. And you anybody that wants to can see it now. It's up on the Home Buying and Selling Group website, which you can go to, and you can see it now. And if you think that we're missing some questions, let us know Christmas time. And uh, obviously with the group, we can we can we'll put out a formal request and we'll make sure they're in there in some way, shape, or form from March next year. And what we were actually going to do this as a form, but we realized it was just too complicated. And also there's loads of companies coming on that are doing everything they can to digitalize the answers to those date, that, those questions. And we just realized actually by releasing it as questions and in the world of data, it's called a data set. Then our job is not to, we can update that, those questions, but the best thing, but it's your choice in the industry as to what those questions you use we're not there's no imposition on there Mm. we're just giving you the information and you work it out for your customers what's important and it's a really good little revision I guess to go in and have a look to see well what are all the questions but one of the big reasons we we or one of the big outputs we think of that is if we can get everybody to start using it and using these questions we will uh, an aim was to substantially reduce the post-valuation queries for surveyors. So we are, what we're finding is for all of the better consumer information through upfront, what we're also finding is there's a benefit for the industry. We, we waste a lot of time in our industry and you don't get paid a lot and that needs to change. So that's why it's so different is because A, it's fluid. So it will always be good and it can only get better. And secondly, Nobody made the decisions, but the industry themselves. This is ours. It's not somebody else's. And it's not. And all of the trade bodies, redress, regulators and substantial number of practitioners have had input to it. And I and my I remember HIPS and I was a big backer of them, that all the problems that were around with HIPS, they're not around today. So, A, this is nothing like a HIP in itself. But secondly, all of the problems that were there with HIPS, they don't exist today at all. And that was almost a 
a reason, you know, the reason it didn't go ahead was because of the disagreement in the industry. And mm. then it became a political football. None of that happens now because of the process we go through. Oh, and what I what it feels like is everybody's come together and we've said, what's the most stupid thing we do <laughs> in our in our sector? Why do we do that? Who expects us to do that? And they're the quick wins and the way to get, yeah. get people on board. And then it's the, the ideas coming forward. Uh, we've had a question in about um, anti-money laundering and what checks and things have been, uh, would be done, you know, in pulling this information together. And I know, you know, so for example, when you're buying a home, you have to show your, your ID so many different times. And this is all sort of where it becomes centralised and digitised to help that. Yeah, definitely. So what we want and what we're working towards is literally as a you'd say you declare yourself a buyer and seller and the first organisation or company that you would meet, they would do that identity check once. And then that would be shared with everybody else. That is the future of the identity check and not the one which I did with my mum bless her a few years ago where I, she was in a nursing home. We we're in the middle of COVID and what did I have to do? I, I had, she had to do a picture of her with a post-it note on her chest of a password that we had been sent. Now, trying to coordinate that without touching anybody was quite difficult. And we're going to get rid of all of that rubbish and having to do them several times. So what we want to do from the roadmap is that once we've got that confirmed, everybody agrees these are the 78 or 80 or 90 steps, whatever they are. Everybody then agrees that instructing a legal company day one of marketing, making sure I don't want any buyer going into a property unless they are financially qualified. Two reasons. One, because they shouldn't be going in there and wasting everybody's time and money. But secondly, the other thing I came up with when I was doing this, I was thinking, well, what about the, what about the petrol they're spending? Yeah, actually, there's a massive sustainability. How many cars and journeys and mileage could we bring off the road from wasted visits? And maybe that's a way we can sell that to buyers. We want we want everybody completing on one o'clock on day of completion. Why wouldn't you want that request from the removal company? What a genius idea. So we're now working our way through how we can do that. But we need everybody to be behind that. And then when you move to the future one, that's all about basically everything shifts from all being pretty much in between offer and exchange to being before it before the offer happens and that's effectively how it works so whether it's aml checks whatever it is we pull all all the work is pulled up front and eventually it'll be pressing buttons and so for example if you're a surveyor who has just been instructed on a property we will somebody will press a button and you'll see all of the details that you need from the property logbook and that can be shared equally with the legal company as well. So you'll see everything before that we've got on that property of those 220 questions before you go in. And knowledge is power, but then it's also what do you do with that knowledge? And from a surveyor's point of view, the more I know, actually sometimes that's the hard, harder it is because then I'm expected to know everything and take an account of everything. And so this is where I think our job will change and and refocus with the upfront information so obviously there's data out there you know that says how many bedrooms it is or what type and those kind of things and I know um, trading standards look at material information so 
design standard, training standards, look after lettings and agency. We're regulated as surveyors by our ICS or whatever our, our body is. And so there's a lot of work being done on material information that yeah. helps inf- that a, uh, a buyer or somebody uses to make an informed decision. Can you tell me a bit about your understanding of that? Because as a surveyor, that gives me the wobbles. Okay, so there's no need to let it give you the wobbles because beauty of the way we're working now, everybody who's worked with trading standards, the majority of people are on the home buying selling group. And of those 220 questions, the information that trading standards are now asking for and will eventually find agents for not having and not providing are all part of those 220 questions. That's how joined up this is. So a good example is, which is one of my frustrations, is the amount of information, the amount of uh, flats that are advertised that are leasehold and no information on how many years left on the lease, no information on service charge, no information on major works, et cetera. They are supposed to give that information, but they're not. And that's under a dress scheme. They, But now... That is all being incorporated into the into the property portals, into the search facilities. So that information will all be available up front. Hopefully, as soon as trading standards say you're going to be fined if you don't have it. But how ridiculous to for somebody to make an offer on a property that they don't even understand what leasehold is for half the time, but to not know how long the lease is. And it has taken, it has, I can see comment, it's taken ages. We have, one of the problems we have going digital and moving the home buying and selling process forward is the cost of, is the cost and lack of developers that we need to make it happen. And that's one of the barriers that we're coming up against. And we're hoping that we'll be able to get over that in the next sort of year or so, once things calm down a little bit. So all the, all that's happening on the material information is that is, part of those 220 questions and you will know that information up front before you arrive at the property because it 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 should be there and if you're finding agents that aren't giving that information tell them yeah and with um so when you then start to think okay well as a buyer upfront information it tells me about the lease and some of the questions from the vendor and those things the next logical step then is more about the property and that's where I suppose we then the closest thing is looking at the Scottish system with the single survey. So they got the home report, the file, and then the single survey in there, which isn't a perfect system by uh, you know by any means. How far away of a jump is that? Do you think? Not far at all. And I'm desperately trying to remember. You might have a quick scan through is whether that is in there already because we actually have a problem not just with surveys but with searches. We would like, ideally, searches to be done by the seller. That is an extraordinary trick, tricky thing to get through. We, we were close to getting it through. We failed. And that was massively frustrating. But on the other hand, it's also why we moved forward with the BASPI question, the buying and selling property information, BASPI, with the 220 questions as questions and not a form. Because then anybody that did want to innovate and have searches and could sell searches as an agent to a seller, they meant they could get on with it, which is what's happening now. So I am 100% sold on having a survey before I sell a property. So I do it naturally. No surveyor has ever offered me that service. 
by the way. No surveyor has ever I, offered me a service. I do know, I do know a few surveyors who uh, offer it that tend yeah. to be on a more period heritage type property. Um, to to, to do old farmhouse, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, I do know a few that, um, that have experimented on that. But I think there's, you know, so from a, a you know, a, a surveyor's point of view, when we look at material information and what can be relied upon, it, the information we put in our reports were held legally accountable for. And I guess, you know, with this data and data set coming through, it's as accurate as it, it can be. And, you know, anybody relying on that data, was it reasonable to rely on that data? Well, yes, that's the method and the, the checks that were done. We did the best that we could with the circumstances yes. that, that we had. When it then starts to creep over into condition of the property or even you know, sometimes property descriptions are wrong. You know, we look at EPCs, a lot of them are just not not right when the surveyor go, goes back. It then starts to, you know, sort of have a bit of a, a, a difference. And I think this is where, and I don't know what the answer is, but where there needs to be some information, but then surveyors need to get involved yes. up front in some way. Yeah. You, you tell and us. find a solution. Yeah. You tell us what you're happy to provide up front. And what you're not happy to provide up front, and you don't need to justify it, as I trust you. And we'll work with that because my view is, is I, I tell you what I remember is what was the guy who sold Foxton's, John somebody, and he sold it just before their crash. And at the time, I was doing a property portal way before the likes of right moving stuff. And I went into a meeting where we were talking about property going online and everything. And I, John Hunt, that's right. And I remember him. Somebody put a picture of a house and at the back was a railway line. John went, I will never advertise a property showing it's got a railway line. That will not happen in my lifetime. It's like, well, it kind of has. <laughs> Obviously, you can rely on that data pretty much. But, it, you know, change, change has to come in bursts and bits that we're all comfortable with. You can't sledgehammer such a sensitive purchase and sale and such an emotional one that affects people's lives so much so I don't care if we just have a one pager that you guys are happy with to start off with let's just start with that as far as I'm concerned and if you want it then next year to go a little bit more or you actually say to us Kate only do half a page I I don't mind let's just do something let's not do nothing It's the it's the start where you are, use what you have, do what you can. And just like, you know, instructing your solicitor at the start yeah. will save you six to eight weeks on a what, 23, 24 week, you know, transaction is going to be and make a huge difference. And, and we does... need everybody on this call to get behind mm-hmm. that, because this will only happen with word of mouth from people trusted. So. Don't ever move yourself now without instructing a legal company first and tell all your friends and family and anybody you meet, please. So that is that is how we will get change. From that, but I also think from a surveyor's point of view, we need to really embrace the scary stuff. It's very general, but our, our job is to find problems, to think about the risk of a situation. That, that's what we're really good at doing. And that's what we, we can do day in, day out. But we've now got to look at this whole situation and think, well, actually, it's the right thing to have for the customer, not just thinking about you know, speed and saving time, but it's the right thing for the customer to know what they're, um, they're buying. And therefore, what can we give them? You know, the first response that we'll get is, well, you know, it's a, it's a survey at point in time. 
this is one of the challenges, you know, 20 yeah. odd years ago. Well, you know, it goes out of date the next day. Well, we have to find something that's that will work, you know, and agree a date or just have or, a conversation going, you know. Or you could agree the things that could happen to, because some of them it won't. Do you know what I mean? So it is just a as I say, doing something. I mean, interesting, when I sold my mum's house, it was about I can't remember it was a couple of years ago or 18 months ago. And on the I insisted that on the property information questionnaire which a lot of agents are using now and certainly encourage those because they're really good I didn't want anybody viewing a property unless they knew three things about mum's home firstly she had a loft conversion but it couldn't be used as a bedroom because the stairs didn't pass fire regulations secondly it was in a suburb of Nottingham West Bridgeford which is very like the good life and you can't keep chickens live ones and thirdly we had this weird thing and i couldn't get the council because of the cost of a surveyor to let me buy it off them we had a strip of land at the back of mum's home which owned by the council it was like a meter by 10 meters or whatever and then we backed onto an embankment which had become a, a little trail and we paid 35 pound a year to license it so that would freak some people out but I didn't want anybody coming in to view my property and waste anybody's time, including mine, unless they were 100% okay with those three things. And that makes a massive difference. Hmm. One of the things that I can see in the, um, the chat here is people are talking about PI insurance. Ah, yes. And, you know, obviously it's quite a big thing for, mm, very. for surveyors. What I would say is having been involved in PI working groups and discussion within the surveying profession and involved in the home buying and selling group is I can't tell you how refreshing it is to have open and transparent conversations with the home buying and selling group and thinking about what is possible and being able to move things forward. And I think as surveyors, we need to pull our finger out and not sit and wait for the work to come in and told what we're what we're you know what we can and can't do but to really be really proactive thinking about well what do clients need what do we need to think do for the planet because actually you know where I am today we've had terrible rain and potential yeah, flooding in me some too. Areas. yeah you know what is the the most best financial thing to do and really think about the work that we do why we do it and create that vision going forward. And that is really hard when we've got the membership bodies, the chatter, the problems that we have in, in our sector. But coming into the home buying and selling group and that thinking about what's possible can really open your eyes. It's a to safe space. The way that the way that, that things should be. And you know what? PI insurers are just all about the money. If there's a return on adventure, they will come up with a policy or, you know, that will cover insurance for something, you know, they're yeah. agile and, and think on their feet. And what we've got now, we know doesn't really work. You know, it doesn't work for surveyors. They say just follow the rules of your professional body, but are the rules being followed, all of that stuff. And I mean, has there been much input or insight from PI insurers, Kate? In the yeah, so we have we have various people on that are experienced in that area. And we it's an area that I do want to reach out to because it's not just your profession that has the issues. And what we can't have is the insurance, PI insurance, which makes life worse for consumers. And it's only by coming at it from that perspective that I think we get change. So this is on my this is we we are waiting at the moment, for example, 
with all the stuff that's going on with the Building Safety Act, particularly on you know both sides, be it buying and selling and the legal profession are now in in a real bind because actually some of the stuff doesn't work. So loads of, if you don't know, loads of legal companies are pulling out a leasehold and the costs of leasehold legals are probably going up three, four, if not 10 times. We're tackling that at this moment. If I hadn't had to tackle that, I'd have been there with the professional insurance. So I'm juggling my time, but I totally understand what, what the issue is. And we will, it's my next thing that I've, that I want to do but I've got to get this roadmap mm. done first because then when I sit down with the PI insurers I can show them what the roadmap is and then hopefully they can go okay well we like that we don't like that we like everything we do is checked checked with PI insurers so we're not doing anything without them yeah. uh, so that that happens so it is but it is something that I know not just in your profession but in several of the others that actually it's making life a little bit difficult and it's impacting adversely on consumers and that's when I can get involved and go right hang on guys can we can we sit back and have a think about this in a different way absolutely because if PI insurance you know goes up really because of uncertainty and we can create more more certainty the impact is that not just that surveyors don't get paid very well but consumers don't have surveys and that's not right Uh, disaster you know know, it shouldn't you should know what you're buying. It's not safe. I don't think it's safe to buy a home without all the checks. Well, I'll know? tell you what really winds me up working with a sort of foot in buying and selling and renting. Why is it all right for a mum, a single mum of three to buy a home without gas and electrical checks, let alone a survey? Whereas if I'm renting, I get all the protection in the world. What's that about? And it's not that. It's just I would like to link the rules for social housing, the rules for private rented sector and the rules for buying and selling and home ownership. I want to link all of those together so that they're the same, because that's the only way that we'll educate everybody from a consumer perspective. And as they move from one tenure to the other, it's all the same and they know the checks to do. And, you know, I'm, what I do want to, to rest assured, I'm a massive fan of the surveying industry. I used to do part exchange. So I used to go out and I used to value properties but we instructed a, a surveyor afterwards to double check that. But we did a lot of research at home, like online. Then we used to go to the property. Then we used to talk to the agents. Now, valuations are pretty good. Before the credit crunch, we looked at what we'd valued it at and what it sold for. We were plus or minus 3% on the ones that we chose. And the ones that were overvalued, they took another nine months to sell versus our original valuation. So... I'm actually not a massive fan of automated valuations. I, I, for the very reason you've just been saying, you know, you can get a survey done and then it can kind of change the next day or whatever. But we, the, the value of surveyors isn't seen as well as it should be. And I want to, I'd love to see everybody having a survey. I would also love to see anybody having a renovation, get a surveyor in to check the condition of that property independently before the builders come in. Because that is a is, massive, massive, that is, as, that is yeah. as big a problem as home buying and selling, but it's the and I think this thing is I can where, fix. Yeah, I think this is where, as surveyors, uh, someone made a comment in the chat about skills and knowledge and, and quality. And that that is an issue for surveyors in that, you know, qualified does not mean competent. And, you know, training to do a level two is like training to drive your pass your driving test but then when you let loose on country roads or motorways it's a bit yeah. scary and you've got to know your own you know limits. your own skill level and, and limits 
<clears throat> but this is the kind of area, certainly, where when we think about maintenance and renovation, where surveyors can get better at their knowledge and getting involved and supporting. And therefore, when things change, they're in a much more agile position to be able to adapt to whatever the market size to do or, or you know how things move for the best you mentioned there are a few things that you wanted to ask I have, surveyors. that's why i keep looking at my phone to bring it bring it back on so the first one is can you please just be more vocal locally i hate average house prices they're a biggest load of rubbish you know what i'm like i won't bang on about it because i could for the rest of the rest of the chat but get onto your local radio get to your local news your digital meetings like bni's pretty much every area I look at, prices going up, down and staying the same. So all the noise about prices going up by double digits, well, in Aberdeen, they were falling left, right and centre and still are. In flats, flats hardly went up in value at all. But we we need you. You are the experts and you're on the front line of it. I've got land registry data that's old for six months going back. You haven't. You know what's happening today. So please get out and tell people, particularly this year, get known and get on it shouldn't be me on the radio it should be you on the radio the second one I'd love to see and I don't know why I know some people have tried it so maybe it just doesn't work on the ground and it's one of those things where's the survey for first-time buyers people trading up buy to let buy to let should be a completely different survey pretty much to lots of the other ones we've mentioned helping with the roadmaps we've got that one talked about moving everybody by one o'clock we've got a checklist which we've got I've worked with um, the British Association of Removers we've got it signed off and we want them to hand it out to consumers two to four weeks before they move uh, once we've got it signed off with everybody else I'd love it if surveyors could help and get that out to people as well because you see them early enough uh, in the chain get involved in the BASPI we've mentioned that one and understand this digitalization that we're trying to do of property data we need practitioners involved in that and we need to understand how how what changes can be made to case uh, and have demand for you to make to changes to case management systems for this to happen as as their clients. So you you genuinely are my knights in shining armor. And I just there's so much more work out there and there's so much more you could be doing. And I really want to see surveyors be given the respect they deserve. Because you've always, always helped me, both as an individual and, and, and in my profession. And I, you don't get the credit you deserve. And I'm sorry about that, but you've got to get, get out there a bit more. And I think, I think that's a, a great point. You know, say be more vocal, be on the radio and the local news. That's quite scary for a lot of people. They don't even know where to begin. And being quite risk averse, um, worrying about saying the wrong thing, I could be sued. But, you know, I, I work with clients to help them do that. It, and you do it in small fit, small spurts. You know, yeah, and, and, and grow, you grow with confidence. Big tip. You're not Boris Johnson. The interview is not out there to get you. You're their expert. They want yeah. you to. What I've learned is because honestly, I was terrified. I was absolutely petrified. And I was looked after very much by East Midlands Radio, BBC. And they sort of really nurtured me. But they what I realized as an expert, they they've chosen you to go on. They want you to look and sound good. They're not this. You're not going to be interviewed like Jeremy Paxman did or all that kind of thing. So relax about that. Don't worry about that. You're there to make them and look good. And they want you to look good as an expert. So they're not there to ask you awkward questions, Quite particularly local radio. It's quite the opposite. 
Mm. Uh, comments just come in. Um, surveyors are the last line of defence for consumers in an often potentially corrupt property, property world. I think, you know, my, my career has been dealing with complaints and claims, and I see all sorts of stuff go on with surveyors that makes your eyes water sometimes. And I have to be mindful that I can get very jaded about the, the things that I see and the bad stuff. But if we focus on the fact that a client, a customer, has chosen us to work with them and to do their survey and to give them property advice, they just want us to do well. Nine times out of 10, they will not be looking to suit you straight away. And if they're, if they're looking for an insurance guarantee, then somewhere along the line, however it's come to them, it has been pitched as a guarantee. And so your job is to have a good relationship with your, with your client, let them know it's a tool that they've got to use, make sure you've got that engagement you know, all the way yeah. through and that you're helping them beyond so that the chances of having a claim or things going wrong are really, really small. And what we do in surveying is we've got so into caveats and standard paragraphs and let's yeah. just build these defence walls around that, quite frankly, customers and clients and the industry say it's too hard to do business with you. Whereas yeah. if we turn that around and say, what can we do to get it right? And that's a big, you know, I think that's where you and I align in terms of customer experience. It's a big mindset shift. It but is. clients just want to know that we're that we're doing their best for them within the context that, that we've got. And also, I'd just say, on this corrupt side, I have worked in a ton of different industries. I really wish the property industry would stop talking, talking itself down. Yeah. This industry is no worse than any other industry I have ever been in. doesn't matter. I've been in the pet business for crying out loud. Just see what they get up to in there. Look at these property investment gurus for crying out loud. You look at, um, I remember working with Sainsbury's. People being marched out for taking money or having conservatories built and all sorts of stuff. Our business, and you look at journalists and you look at politicians, we are nowhere near as bad as we constantly tell ourselves. So it, it is that, you know, think it's about us being proud of our industry and proud of what we do and proud of putting a decent roof over people's heads or in your case saying to people you've bought a roof over the property but it might not last uh, and you might need to spend a lot of money on it be proud of that don't don't it's... pull us down <laughs> yeah. get it you know we do an amazing job that changes people's lives death divorce debt having a baby getting married this is what it's all about don't get drawn into this, everybody's corrupt, because I work with the most amazing, and I'm lucky, I know I work with the good guys, but I work with the most amazing people. And our industry is no worse than anybody else's. And I love it to bits. This is the only industry I've stayed in for this amount of time. And I think, you know, that, that's why my business is called Love Surveying, because it's about loving what you do and letting your clients know that yes, yeah. you absolutely love the fact that there's something wrong with that property and you're going to help them work out what it is. But they want to have to hire you and work with you because you're so geeky and, and, and excited um, yeah. about that. What I think we do in surveying is we've got caught in the grooves of level one, level two, level three survey. Agreed. You know, and, and the stereotype. And I don't know how much longer that can sustain us moving forward with the changes that are coming with the, the home buying and selling group and the work that's being done. Kate, really, really good to talk to you. Thank you so much for your time today. Absolute pleasure. And thanks to everybody else, because you really, you do an amazing job. And I, that is from the bottom of my heart. But also love the, 
love the Survey Hub and thank you for all the help that you give me uh, over the last few years because it's really appreciated. Super. I don't think we've got any more questions in there, but what I will do is... Pop them on the Surveyor Hub. I'll, I'm pop on them there. on the Surveyor Hub. <laughs> <laughs> we'll share this. Try and get out as a podcast. And um, thank you. Thank you, everybody, everybody for uh, turning up. Appreciate yeah. it. Nice to see everyone. Thanks a lot, everyone. Bye-bye. Take care.